We have a ton of big games to review and a bundle of stories to tell. So let's just get to it on this edition of Sixth Year Seniors. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm tired of losing to Purdue. I'm not here to round this week. That's why I got a college skip. That's why I was an All-American in Michigan. I could give a shit about North Carolina right now. Mikey, and before I ask how you doing, I'll admit you were right. We're not not the kind of guys to say we told you so, but we told you so, okay? I'm not even going to let you get it out. I, I, yeah, I, I'm not going to be classy. I told you I told you seven weeks ago that Houston, Houston was about to catch this L at Allen Fieldhouse, and, and yeah, that's what happened. I'm fired up. There's more than more than one reason I'm fired up. I'm sure you know. But hey, let's just you know, – again, we've got a million things to talk about. Let's get right into it. It's easy to win when you shoot 70%. How about that? Yeah, that's the thing. Houston walked into Kansas's best game not just this year, but probably in the last decade. What's the no, no, time? Hold on now. Can, I, I was in the building when Kansas won a national championship with they a crazy second half. They seventy percent against North Carolina. They might know. have in the second half. You watch that game, Jesus Christ! But no, I mean Kansas was was just unworldly on Saturday afternoon. We say it all the time. It's hard to win on the road in college basketball. It's really hard to win on the road in conference in college basketball. Sometimes weird things just happen. And you can't take too much stock in it. But I said, I said, if Houston was going to win the national championship, they were good, they would they would win this game. They did not win this game, and and it is proof that I mean, even at some point, I'm curious. I mean, how many how many games this year has anybody, despite the opponent, shot 68 percent or whatever the 69 percent, whatever the hell it ended up being? I don't think anybody has. And Houston, I, mean, I, I, I think I would have noticed that. And Houston's supposed to be the number one defense in the nation, right? Yeah. For the metrics? Where on the anomaly I, – I, I can't sit here and say that, that Houston is fraudulent or anything like that. But Th- there this is, a, is Mississippi Valley State beating Purdue. Well, I have some thoughts about Purdue. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> um, oh, you're right. Mississippi Valley State could beat Purdue much easier than this. Would have well, if they, were in, if, if they were to be matched up in the NCAA tournament, yes. In the regular season, no. Where this falls on the bell curve of performances is so far to the right for Kansas that you, I don't think you can take this for any, any real data whatsoever. Can't, uh, by the way, hey, guess what? Kansas is pretty good. They got some dudes. They made some shots, and it was just one of those deals where everything was going right for them. Uh, you know, the home court magic was working, and and Houston, Houston got got again. You can't put too much into uh, too much stock into this. It was too too weird of a game. But I do think that if Houston was really really that good, they would have only let Kansas shoot sixty percent, not seventy <laughs> percent. 
So, so I, I, I am, I'm staying, I'm staying on the, uh, on the hedging side of the Cougars. But Kansas, By the way, I'll say this, Kansas needed this win. And I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about levels of needing wins here in a little bit. Kansas really, really needed this win much more than Houston did. And, and, and it showed, I think it showed. Well, that, that's true. Yeah. I, uh, by the way, the official uh, percentage was 68.9. So, well, let's not even give them 70. They barely shot 69%. And that's not even factoring an effective field goal percentage, which ties in your three-point shooting. I mean, it was ridiculous. Absolutely bonkers. Oh, my, okay, let me see. What was their, what was their effective? Uh, well, they shot 1.22 points per possession. Oh, that's, um, that's that's nice. It's not got not not good enough for this first segment of the show, but it's nice. Let's see. I I know that. Oh, and, and okay. Look at this. I I know that the most points scored against Houston before this game was seventy two, and actually that was by Texas, and it took overtime to do it. Uh, in regulation, it looks like it was BYU uh, back on January twenty third, who put up sixty eight. Houston's good. I, I do think the top teams in the nation can can play with them. I don't think it's a. I'm I'm starting to see some some chatter about their, their you know the, the tiers at the top of college basketball and how Purdue and UConn are are tier one and then everybody else is tier two. Probably oh, starting cool. with it's probably oh but, oh oh dude let's expound on that comment, please, sir. Well, Purdue's fraudulent. <laughs> I, I no, I, I got nothing against Connecticut this year. My my rage against Connecticut goes from last year, and I'm still pissed about it. But no, Purdue's fraudulent. We'll get, we'll get there soon. Well, enough. we'll get there. Yeah. Here here's the best stat that I found from that Houston Kansas game is Hunter Dickinson scores 20 points, leads he leads his team, shot nine for 15 from the field. Horrible shooting day for the starter. Because the other four starters missed just four shots. They went 20 for 24. Hunter, God, that, that, bench Hunter gosh. Dickinson right now, man. <laughs> that is freaking insane. Makes no sense whatsoever. They made nine of their first ten shots. Uh, you, you just can't compete against a team that gets that hot that quick and sustains it. That's just nuts. And a team that's that good. You know, I mean, you you knew they were good coming in, so you get that kind of start on top of all everything else. It's just it just compounds, and it's just too much right out of the gate. And he, and and we know, I don't think Houston's a team that's that's set up to come back from from that kind of that kind of onslaught early on. Well, because they're they'd set up to not down. have that kind of onslaught happen to them. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they, they'd they'd much rather grind you down and not have to get up and run. So. By the way, in a proof of life moment here for the podcast, talking about teams that are not set up to come back from great disadvantages, Virginia at halftime was up 29 to 17. Good to see that Virginia is still doing Virginia type things. Well, I, I was enjoying bad Virginia earlier this year. They're figuring it out as the year's going along, but they're just like Michigan State. You got to kill them in January. If you don't, this is what happens in February and yeah, March. Yeah, they're, they're st- they've they've had multiple games now where they're holding teams to uh, you know less than twenty points and a half, and Miami just threw it to the sidelines to, to nobody again. That's great. That's fantastic. Speaking of the ACC. We're talking about the ACC, yeah. but let's let you rant because you're a happy guy because North Carolina beats Duke 93-84 Saturday, and it wasn't even close. I have a couple of funny funny personal stats for you. So, so heading into this game, 
I was I was two and zero while watching Duke play Carolina in the state of Louisiana. Once in person at the Superdome, famously. The other I watched at a hotel in New Orleans during the ACC tournament semis in 2018. I am now 2-0 watching Carolina and Duke from a hotel room trying to be quiet. I was in a hotel room this weekend (laughs) watching Carolina and Duke um, in West Virginia. We, We got... We got Is the there any in- other state that you are unbeaten while watching North Carolina in? I have to, I have to do the math on this. I'm not 100% sure. I, I, I think California. I think they're 1-0 when I'm in California. I'll have to double-check the math on that. I had the wine and cheese at the hotel. We had the champagne, the, the crackers, the, the, the sausage, the cheese. Uh, just, just the finest meats and cheeses you know, in, in the land. I watched Carolina just outclass Duke for 40 minutes. They jumped on him right out of the gate. Uh, we were talking about effective or points per possession earlier. 1.32, I think, is what Damn. Carolina put up on Duke. Duke said they were going to, hey, we're going to stop R.J. Davis. We're not going to let your your all-American shooting guard get us. And they face-guarded him with Tyrese Proctor. And Armando Baycott and Harrison Ingram proceeded to torch the other four guys on the Duke defense. It was absolutely fascinating to watch. Ingram got hot from downtown. Baycott. Put Kyle Filipowski in the uh, in, in the spin cycle and uh, in in the torture chamber and just ground him to mush. And if, I have to say this: uh, of all of the developments during the game, I did not see this one. I should have seen it coming, but I didn't. I, I, I got blind, blindsided in the moment. I didn't have Kyle Filipowski becoming the latest Duke pouty crybaby. But it happened Saturday night. He he needed a box of Kleenex because he was on the verge of breaking down into tears uh, at least a half dozen times in the second half, and it was absolutely hilarious. We got the quasi cheap shot on Davis, which I don't think there was intent to injure, but he did he did throw his hand out well after the whistle to stop RJ from driving to the hoopie for for a, a dead ball layup, and uh, in turn clotheslined Davis, turning himself into instant instant mega villain at the Smith Center. And then there was the, the, the screwy hook-and-hold technical they called on Davis for getting that involved with Philip. That was nuts. That was a garbage call. Davis okay, gets I, hurt and then gets called not just for a foul, but a hook-and-a-hold. Well, the only, the, only, the only explanation is that the refs had Duke in the points. That, they were trying to get Duke back within five and a half. That, that oh, had so to you're be telling what me was. it was the same officiating crew that did Gonzaga and St. Mary's then? Oh, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> That's a hell of a plane ride to get from Durham. <laughs> Although I guess they did. You get the time change. Hey, look, you, and you, you, <laughs> get, you get enough money on the game, you can get the fast enough plane. You get the Concord. They broke, break the Concord out of retirement. That's great. But yeah, the fact that they didn't call the Filipowski, you know, clothesline earlier, which I don't like. I, said, I don't think they should have thrown him out of the game. A flagrant one. I wouldn't have been surprised with. But inter- you can't turn around and call that on R.J. Davis when he's involved with Filipowski later in the game when Carolina's trying to close that. It was just a very shady whistle, which, oh, again, it always happens to favor the same team every time. I don't know how this happens. It, huh, it's so, so strange. But Carolina outclassed Duke for 40 minutes, and it was awesome to watch. That was a white, white, white-hot crowd at the Smith Center. 
the Dean Dome gets gets the wine and cheese you know reputation, and sometimes deservedly so. But when there's a big game in town, and when Duke comes to town, that crowd is is fired up and ready to go. And they were they did not disappoint Saturday night. I mentioned earlier that, that Kansas needed that game more than Houston did, and I really do think that in terms of the rivalry, Carolina needed this game more than Duke did. There are levels to this this stuff. Last year, Duke Duke needed to beat Carolina last year to to attempt to erase the the pain from how the prior year ended with Coach K losing his last home game and losing in the Final Four and being retired by the arch rival North Carolina Tar Heels. God, it's so great to say that. Um, they needed those games last year. Carolina needed the game this year to sort of reset themselves on the rivalry, and, and they did, and they got it. The rematch at Cameron in a few weeks will be interesting because I'm not sure this Duke team matches up very well with this Carolina team. And if Carolina returns the favor and sweeps Duke this year after last year, Duke had all the hype coming in this year. I mean, it's the it, the, the juxtaposition of, of how last year went for Duke and Carolina versus how this year is going for Duke and Carolina is very, very interesting. It's why the wide rivalry is great. It's why it will always be great. Heels up one nothing this season, and uh, and they kick the crap out of Duke. What you got on it? I loved Harrison Ingram in his post-game interview. Shouts out his sister mockingly. His sister plays volleyball at Duke. Fantastic. Ingram's energy is contagious. There are a handful of guys that have played for Carolina that have the contagious energy like he is. And I, I can probably – I count them on one hand with figures left over probably. We're talking Kobe White, Theo Pinson – Danny Green and Rashid Wallace, and that's probably the whole list. Uh, it, he he is the heartbeat of that team, and when he gets going, look out. Oh, and El, the point guard, Elliot Cadeau, the freshman, he's still progressing. You look at the stat line, it, it, it doesn't look like he had a good game. That dude is the bus driver, and if Carolina hops on, they're going places. I'll just say that. So that was two of the four big games on ESPN on Saturday. Next on the list, Tennessee whitewashes Kentucky in Rupp Arena, 103-92. Once again, not even close. Tennessee jumps out to an 8-0 lead and 19-7. It felt a little similar to the Carolina Duke game in that Kentucky said, you know what, we're not going to let Connect get us. We're not going to let him go crazy. Tennessee was like, okay, we'll let everybody else go get you then. And, and they just they, they dropped the hammer on him. And, and Kentucky, Kentucky had that one little burst late in, the, late in the first half, but they never really got to a point where it ever felt like, like they were a threat. And that defense is officially a problem for the Wildcats. They've got issues. And I was high, I was high on them a few weeks ago. I was like, I think Kentucky said – Kentucky's got problems. That defense is that defense is a problem. Yeah, I really thought that Kentucky would be able to take this one out by hook or crook or home home court, you know, officiating. But man, they they were just not competitive against Tennessee. And again, it leads me to believe then that I was right to begin with that the SEC is a three team league, and that's it. We'll get to we'll get to more of the SEC in a little bit. The, the, it's interesting interesting league this season. And I think they, I'm kind of with you. I think there is only three at the top, but the the mid card of the SEC is getting interesting. I'm not I'm not sure anybody's necessarily you know Final Four good or 
regional final good, but there's some interesting teams. They're there that barely are. second round good. We'll we'll see about that. Yeah, we got Virginia throwing alley oops on on a run out. They actually ran it out and threw an alley oop. My God. So let's get to the fourth game of the night on Saturday on ESPN. I did not it see the, a minute of this. It was the only one that was good. St. Mary sixty four beating Gonzaga on the road, 64-62, despite, obviously, the officials having Gonzaga. (laughs) You're going to talk me through this. I have no idea. I I saw none of this. Okay, so let me give you this. How many lead changes do you think there were in the first three games combined? Oh, let me think. Um, There was one. Duke led 2-0, and then Carolina led the rest of the way. (laughs) There was one other. Houston led 2-0, oh, and then okay. Kansas led 2-4-2. There were 13 lead changes mm. at St. Mary's and Gonzaga. They saved the best for last. Damn. No, the, the officials were off. The Gonzaga fans were throwing stuff on the court twice in the final 30 seconds. After the first time, the officials warned the crowd not to throw anything on the floor. Well, the official blew the next call. Gonzaga fans threw more stuff on the court. Oh, and I Jesus. swear the only reason they did not get a technical was because the officials knew they'd blown the call. God, yeah, that's that's great. But uh, St. Mary's looked as good as you expected them to. Aiden Mahaney scored 20. Mahaney was the kid who got hurt in the uh, second half of the second round game last year in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. That just turned St. Mary's tournament around. This is a dangerous, dangerous team. And, of course, they'll get they'll get short-seeded by the NCAA. That's what they do. I heard the announcers talking about, oh, Gonzaga needs a big win or they might not make the tournament. Bullshit! Bullshit! Oh, you're hilarious. I, I the, the Zags are in trouble. The, the Zags, Zags are, are in the, trouble. You know, you know what they'll do? They'll give the Zags like an 11-play-in seed, and they'll still make a run to the Sweet 16. Oh, you, oh, you West Coast bias. Listen to this. Zags are in trouble. They're not as good as past years. Their big men are not dominant. And we're finding out that Anton Watson is a great complimentary player, but he's not a guy who can lead a big basketball team. No, he's not the guy. That's, yeah, that's the thing. They need one more. They're, they're, short, they're short a guy. They've got yeah, a couple they, of guys that, that went early. They're short those guys. They, they've got a bunch of great second and third best players they don't have the top guy you know what they need they needed chet holgram with a whole bunch of cheeseburgers in them this year yes that's exactly what they needed st mary's now two games up on the rest of the west coast conference face it man it's over with the the rest of the league is not going to be able to beat st mary's twice no absolutely not not happening it's not happening good on the gale for getting taking the west coast back that's big for them then on sunday one more top 10 versus top 10 t- matchup. There were four of them, the three we just talked about, plus this one on Sunday, four of them over the weekend. The only two teams in the top 10 that did not play each other was UConn and Marquette. We'll get to that in a bit. Yep. But Purdue wins at Wisconsin, 75-69. Zach Eady, 18 points, 13 rebounds, playing as well as they can in the regular season. But and it's simply because Wisconsin didn't have a single guy that weighed 220 pounds, and they were bounce, they were bouncing off Zach Eady like I don't know Kurt Hennig against the Road Warriors. <laughs> there's there's got to be a, per, a Survivor Series match or something perfect against LOD. I got We need to find that. Good grief. 
I don't know if Hennig was around the AWA that that early. I don't think. So. Oh yes, he was because I I remember there was a fantastic match, and I'll always remember this because I I thought it was Hennig who did this, and it was actually Steve Olsenowski. The first time I saw the Road Warriors live in San Francisco, they faced Hennig and Olsenowski, and the finish of the match was I think it was Hawk whips Olsenowski into the ropes, blind tags Animal. Hawk goes down to give him a backdrop. Olsenowski goes over the top and runs flat into an animal clothesline, does the 360 spin, gets knocked to hell. Oh, jeez. And I always thought for years that that was Hennig who did that. Turned out it wasn't. It was Steve-O. But it was a fantastic finish. But But that's what the Wisconsin players looked like against Zach Eady on Sunday. Well, it's it's easy when you're a foot taller and and 100 pounds heavier than everybody else. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. I was doing some research today just because I'm, I'm starting to think about Purdue. Um, do you, in the past 10 years in the NCAA tournament, they have lost to a 12 seed, a 13 seed, a 15 seed, oh, and a 16 man. seed. Oh, man. Yeah. They've <laughs> only been, if, if I remember correctly, they've only been knocked out by a, by a seed that should have beaten them by seed line twice. They, they lost it. They lost a two-three game to Texas Tech, and they lost that bonkers game in overtime to Virginia in 2019, the Carson Edwards game. Okay, those are both every fair. other time they yeah. every other time they got knocked out in the last ten years, it was to a it was to a lower seated team. that's a lie. Th- three times they lost an eight-nine game to Cincinnati, I think in 2014 or 15, uh, in overtime as a nine seed. That doesn't count. No, that that isn't even part of the equation. No. Yeah, and and they'll do it again this year. It's because they're going to be a having, one, and somebody's going to get them. Yeah, it's just a matter of having enough big men who won't bounce off Edie like a Super Bowl, foul the hell out of him, and he will tire and start missing free throws. It's I that th- simple. Northwestern did it almost yeah. again this past week. I told our friend Matt Zemek on Twitter. I, I told him, I said, look, line them up with Carolina. Zayden High and James Oconquo got 10 fouls to give. Let's go right now. And I'm sure Carolina has somebody on the bench that can give you five fouls in 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Both those guys can. Absolutely. No, no I'm saying you, you need a third. You actually need a third because you, you got to beat them up with like 14 or 15 fouls. Oh, we got oh we got two more guys we can throw at them. Jalen yeah, Withers can, can hack a shack for, for sure, so... And he's got a great name, because, I mean, that's what they'll do in the NBA, hack a Zach. Exactly. If he even makes it down the court in time. Well, that's part of the problem. It's going to be fascinating to see how that how that plays out. But. I, I, I'll be interested to see the GM who drafts him who and how long he job? lasts in that job yeah. afterward. <laughs> Let's get to the conferences of the teams that we've been talking about very quickly before we go to break. In the Big 12, there is now a four-way tie for first place between Texas Tech, Baylor, Iowa State, Houston, Kansas. Now, that's five. Somebody, one of those guys doesn't belong, but Texas Tech has fallen twice. The whole Big 12 is just a mess right now. There, there's a five-way tie with three losses. Oh, it is a five-way tie. I was right. It is a five-way tie. Yes, you are I correct. I thought it was only four-way. No, four, five-way tie with three losses. TCU and TCU and BYU are one game back. Yeah, they're emulating the football teams. 
yes, we might have we might have to bust out the Big Twelve Matrix of Death for the last week of the season. God, please don't put that on me. My God. Because actually, as I look at this now, there are how many teams is this that are within two game? All but two teams are within two games of each other. That's ridiculous. And, and I would think that would be 10 because it's the Big 12, but we all know the Big 12 hasn't had 12 teams in it in like a decade. Exactly. Uh, so two, there's 12 four, teams six, in the Big 12 eight, within two and, games. Yeah. Uh, 12. Yeah, there's 12 teams within two games of each other. There's your Big 12 right there. Eat shit West Virginia and Oklahoma State. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Best conference in the land. Yeah, I can't wait for all of them to all but one team to be out before the before the regional finals. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. So Texas Tech loses TCU on the road, but then also loses at home to Cincinnati. Is this Texas Tech coming back to what we thought they were, or is this just an anomaly for a good team? I think it's Texas Tech coming back to earth. I I I think they, they they've flown a little too close to the sun, and and, and their wings got their wings got clipped. Now that's not to say that they're not going to be a problem for the rest of the rest of the league, uh, the rest of the season. But I do I, I do think their their run at the top has come to an end, and 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 they'll they'll wind up somewhere in the middle of that pack as the season goes along. Nothing to be ashamed of for, for the Red Raiders. You kind of want you kind of want that Cincinnati game back. Yeah, that one will cost them as the season goes on. One game that we must note. Baylor beats Iowa State 70-68. This game probably no one saw because it was hidden on ESPN2 while Tennessee was beating up on Kentucky. Baylor I, led. I only, I only saw the final shot. That's all I saw. Uh, I, I, saw this, I saw the whole finish. Tennessee and Kentucky were done with. It was over. I was looking for another game to watch. So Baylor was leading 68-66 with 24 seconds left. Jaden Nunn, a Baylor, steals the ball. He's fouled, injures his ankle. I mean, he's hobbling to the free throw line. He misses both his free throws. Then he's driven on by Tarim Lipsky to tie the score at 68. But then Nunn gets the ball out of bounds. There's like seven seconds left. Drives the lane, gets the lead with two seconds left. So all of a sudden, he goes from go to hero in a matter of, you know, two minutes of game time. Yep. Oh, and he was fouled. However, he misses the free throw. But then the refs decide the clock started too quickly. They blow it dead. There was like, I mean, 0.7 seconds left at that point. They blow it dead. Instead, they give them to, they give Iowa State the ball out of bounds with like 1.5 seconds left. I don't know so how they that's, with that. So that's how they got the ball along the sideline where they were at. Yes. Beyond, yes. beyond mid, they were still beyond mid court, but not like in front of the bench. And then this is what you saw. Iowa State inbounds to the free throw line. They pass out to the three. Milan Mamasilic banks in a three at the buzzer. The crowd goes nuts, but... The ball was still in his hand when the clock hit zero. And it was close. It was very it was close. Very close. And I, I saw this too. This is what started the whole mess. Baylor lost a 10 point lead with about 12 minutes to go in the game. Scott Drew gets ejected. The bench gets another technical foul. With no time running off the clock, Iowa State scores six points from the free throw line. They went on a 20 to nothing run in four minutes to take Ooh. the lead, only to have Baylor take it back and win the game. 
20-0 run double kill shot. Wow. Scott Drew was classic. You could tell he was pissing with the refs the whole game. He had a tech in the first half. I saw this too, now that you say it. Yep. This is hilarious. He walks right out to the coaching box line. And with his back foot, keeps his toes inside the coaching box and kneels his entire body outside the box. The referee looks at him and just tees him up. And you know that the ref had told him, do not get out of that box again. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And Drew's like, my toe's in it. Good grief. In the ACC prior to North Carolina beating Duke, as you always say, nothing good happens in Atlanta Georgia Tech, 74, North Carolina, 73. I told you it was a trap game. Everybody else, every other top 10 teams lost on the road this season. It was one of those games where just everything kind of went wrong for Carolina. And despite all that, they uh, R.J. Davis got the steal there with about 30 seconds left, went the distance, got the go-ahead bucket, should have been called for, for and won which was crazy because that's not the last time it happened. Uh, Credit Nathan George. He was a baller. That was a big-time shot for the freshman over an outstretched Armando Baycott. It was almost like a a quasi-reverse layup at the rim. and Highly contested over the big man and got it high off the glass. It went in. It was a great shot. Carolina calls timeout. Great play call by Hubert Davis to set up the – it was like the pistol formation almost. They got the ball to Baycott at the top of the key. R.J. Davis comes sprinting from 30 feet back. And they got a, they basically got one-on-one, so he got a handoff either way. Davis could have pulled up for the jumper, which he probably would have hit and won the game. But he drove the basket, went for the contact, then the ref swallowed the whistle. It was a foul. In, in any gym in America, it was a foul, except for... Uh, it's not Alexander Memorial Coliseum, McCamus Pavilion, whatever the hell they call it now. But Marcus Alexander Memorial Coliseum? Marcus Alexander Bagwell Memorial Coliseum. Absolutely. <laughs> At Georgia Tech got the win. Good for good for Tech. Again, Carolina caught, caught looking ahead a little bit. They were due for a loss, and maybe it's a maybe it's sort of a, a, a get-right loss for Carolina. It didn't phase them going into the game on Saturday. We'll see what Carolina gets with uh, Clemson coming to town this week. It's a big game. Talk about look-ahead losses in the SEC. Tennessee and Kentucky both lost in midweek ahead of their big matchup. Alabama might have lost before coming back from 14 points down in the second half to win at Georgia 85-76. Alabama's slow start may have been due to Ryland Griffin getting stuck in an elevator before the game started. Wait, what? I didn't hear this. Apparently he missed warmups because he was he and a teammate were stuck in an elevator. Oh, that's good. I can remember I can remember to use that one. That's fantastic. That's right up there with four flat tires. Oh, absolutely. There's oh man, you could do there's there's, there's an elevator gimmick somewhere. Oh man, we got to think on this one. We got to think on this for next week. Alabama leads the league right now, eight and one. Top of the SEC. Auburn, two losses, one game back. Tennessee, two losses, one game back. Oh, there's another team, one game back. The South Carolina Gamecocks. I, the Gamecocks I'm still are not tricky. sure what to think of them, man. I don't think they're any good, but the record is what the record is. I don't really think they're any good either. They Their non-con wasn't particularly impressive. I mean, they got some wins over some, some bubble teams, but nothing, you know, nothing up top. But they've sort of righted them, you know, proved themselves in the league. They got wins over Tennessee and Kentucky now. 
that's fantastic for the Gamecocks. Nineteen and three overall. I mean, wow. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. So we'll see what happens with uh, with South Carolina. Are they for real? Are they not? They've got Ole Miss this week. They they're on the road at Auburn next week. Um, That'll and, be key. If yeah. They, if they can play, if they can just stay with Auburn, I'll believe they're real. I don't think they'll beat Auburn, but if they can stay with them, then I'll believe. They do have Florida and Tennessee again later towards the end of the schedule. So there's some opportunities there for for South Carolina to prove it again. But it's interesting that they're they're sitting there just one game back halfway through the conference season. If you believe South Carolina is real and you want to put a little bit of money on it and you end up being right, you'll have a lot of money on your hands and you might want to take a vacation. If so, who might you call and how big of a stretch was that to transition? That's a little bit of a stretch, but it's, but, it's, but it's not bad. It could be worse. I mean, we're talking about halftime of the season. Hey, take a halftime. Time to take a break. Take a break with our girl Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel. You need to get away from from life, from whatever it is. You need to get some sun, get some get some sand, all that stuff. Hit her up. All major cruise lines. If you want to get down somewhere on a boat in the Caribbean, uh, all inclusive, uh, down on the beaches. Uh, Disney Universal, she can take care of you. Uh, Custom-made itineraries for you and your traveling crew, she can hook you up with where you need to be and when you need to be there at no extra charge for you. Find her on social media, WP Magic Journeys on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the usual spots. Tell her you heard about her on Sixth Year Senior. She'll give you $25 off your next trip deposit. Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel. She makes the plans. You make the memories. Let's keep ripping through the college basketball because we do have a couple of off-topic conversations to have at the end of the show. Of course, we're going to talk Super Bowl, and yes, Mikey has a movie conversation that he must have. Yes. Let's get to the Pac-12. Two of my favorite teams are still making runs toward an NCAA tournament berth, and they play each other this week. Stanford wins at Arizona State Thursday. And that's with Cannon Carlisle scoring just three points. UCLA, meanwhile, beats Oregon 71-63 and continues their run back from an injury-prone start. They got a long way to go before they could start thinking about the NCAA tournament, though. Man. But if they can finish, say, third or fourth in the Pac-12, you're telling me that only two teams are going to get in from the Pac-12? Hell, these two teams could finish second and third in the Pac-12, as bad as the Pac-12 is this year. They better finish better than like 17 and 11 or whatever the hell they might wind up with. I think just because they're Pac-12, well, if the Pac-12 wasn't dissolving, I would be sure of this, that there's no way the NCAA Tournament Committee would snub the second and third place teams in the Pac-12. But uh, who knows this year? Wait, they wouldn't snub Big Ten's UCLA and the ACC Stanford. Now, would they? No, oh, well, the ACC is a garbage league. That's what everybody keeps telling me. So why, why, why would Stanford belong in the tournament? Because they're going to the ACC, where great teams go. Conference of champions. The real conference yeah. of champions. And they're only like, what, 4,000 miles away from the Atlantic coast? Don't get me started on this. I don't have my blood pressure medicine with me. I'm not, I, no. 
I'm still waiting for the new Big 12 commercial, you know, where, where they have the map of where all the teams are, and they're having to go down to L.A. and then up to Washington and bring Oregon in there before they scoot across to the Midwest. Yeah, you might need to get Wendy Frater at Magical Journeys Travel to get you a map for that one. Good grief. So I, a quick note on Arizona, playing with their food again over the weekend, they are playing down to their it's competition. Stanford. It's not their food. Stanford's a damn good team. Uh, they're at home. They should have taken care of Stanford. We'll, we'll see. Arizona's kind of got it on cruise control right now. I'm waiting for them to, to flip it back on. And maybe we won't, Maybe they won't flip it back on until uh, until March. We'll see. I don't know. They don't, I don't have think to, they have to. They, I will say that's, and I think that might be a problem, that they don't have to flip it back on. Can they flip it on when the stakes really get high? That's a big question. You know, that could be a problem, yeah. If yeah. they never have to flip it on and all of a sudden get into the third round of the NCAA tournament against somebody they haven't competed against, yeah. that then could be dangerous. Yeah. Yep. Since we're talking about the Big Ten, let's go there next. There was a lot of fun stuff besides that Purdue and Wisconsin game. And on Sunday, Illinois needed overtime to beat pesky Nebraska 87-84. Damn, I'm, I missed that one in all my travels over the weekend. Good grief. Um, well, I, I kind of missed it because that's when trees were falling around my house. Oh, that's weekend. right, yeah. You got the got the storm out there. In yeah, we, we had West. another atmospheric river run through California. Climate change, I uh, no. But, man, that, that was an exciting, fun game. Kinsai Tominaga, 31 points, still couldn't lift Nebraska over Illinois. Nebraska is like they're, they're, they're tinkering with the tournament, but they, 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 need, they need one more good one, to I think, to really be taken seriously here. And this was an opportunity they, that they couldn't get in. We talked briefly about Purdue's travails with Northwestern. They won 105-96 in overtime in midweek. That score is not indicative how close it was because Chris Collins got a couple of texts late in the game. I think Purdue shot like four or six free throws at the end of the game. It meant nothing. All right, this was going to be my question. Did it mean nothing? Oh, no, it, it, it didn't. Um, what was the line? The, the, line was, the line was double digits. Northwestern still covered. Okay. It was, it was, yeah, double, double digit. Yeah. In, in, yeah. It West Lafayette. Yeah. That makes sense. I, okay. I, I want to say it was like 14. Something yeah. Like I, yeah. The, the monkeys just got, no, I got in my ears. It was 14 and a half. I was curious about that one and a half, but how did, now I didn't watch the game and I, and I know there's ebbs and flows to games at the, at the time, Chris Collins got ejected. The free throw discrepancy was 42 to eight. Yeah. Which is the reason he got ejected. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, you throw it into Zach Eadie. Eadie gets every if, – if the officials officiated Armando Baycott like they did Zach Eadie, Baycott would shoot 30 free throws a game. But they don't. And they shouldn't give Eadie all this shit either. Uh, he, he, it's, it's ridiculous. But well, I, th- I think, though, Northwestern's game plan is to foul the shit out of Zach Eadie. Matt Nicholson, Luke Hunger, and Nick Martinelli all fouled out in that game. And their third center, I think, had three fouls. I'm shocked that Edie only took 17 free throws. If you go eight for 17, maybe the, maybe the hack-a-zack isn't a bad idea. Well, that's true. That's probably why he only shot 17. I wonder how many of front ends of one-and-ones he missed. Yeah, because those, those should always count as two. Those should always count as two missed free throws. 
I don't, I don't give a shit. Um, you know that that's a good. I like that. Yeah, it should. It absolutely should count as two missed free throws in the uh, in the box score. Chrissy Collins, Duke whiny, pouty, crybaby Hall of Famer. We were talking about earlier with Filipowski. He, he made a scene leaving the arena, uh, asking for it from the crowd. I, I I was impressed. It was it was a it was a good show from Chris Collins there. Good, good work on you, Dukey. It was fun, if nothing else. The, 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 the games next year are going to be fantastic. Let's, let's book some heat. Let's get some villains. I love it. Also in the midweek, Nebraska beat Wisconsin in overtime, 80-72, coming back from 17 points down. I realize I haven't told you the story, which means I probably haven't told the story on the air. A college buddy of mine, son, now goes to Nebraska. You remember when the Nebraska women's volleyball team set the uh, all-time attendance record? Yeah. 90,000 fans, something like that. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it was it was like Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 3. Yeah, Yeah. well, after that game, the, the crowd poured on the court celebrating. My buddy's son, Jack, was wearing the Nebraska overalls, and he wears a Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket on his head. Okay. And one of the volleyball players got this great shot of him hoisted up on a couple of guys' shoulders, celebrating the victory with the bucket on his head. And it kind of went quasi-viral, and he's kind of known now as as Buckethead or or Bucket Man. Oh, it's good. As my buddy Ken said to a a, a bunch of us from college, he says, and I I quote this from a text, he told us that he's starting to get recognized at the games and around campus as Bucket Man or Buckethead. I told him he's known by all my friends, too. They all say, quote, is that your dumbass kid with a bucket on his head? (laughs) so the nebraska fans stormed the court after this victory and i'm immediately looking for the fool with the bucket on his head couldn't find find him him. couldn't find him i text ken and he missed the game because of a business administration promotion that he was getting oh damn it because I, I did. I, I was just, I'm searching that crowd. I've, I've got the thing on like pause, 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 looking at every screen, trying to find some st- dumbass kid with a bucket on his head. And he'd go right there with the guy in the wheelchair and the kid drinking ble- bleach. Absolutely. Shout out to Will Prevett. We talked about the two top 10 teams that did not play another top 10 t- team this week. Connecticut is just steamrolling through the Big East. They won at St. John's. 77-64, just pulled away at the end. There was nothing Rick Pitino's clan could do. The crowd was up for it. They were there, and St. John's was up for it. And it was just too much. It was just too much. UConn is too good right now. At some point, or, you know, I somebody's going to get them somewhere along the way. But it's that it, they are on a mission right now. It will be interesting to see, again, as we talked about with Arizona, uh, just just keep keeping the reps in, keeping the keeping the knives sharpened. They'll get more opportunities uh, against Big East competition than Arizona will out, out west. There's nobody in that league, I don't think, that's on their level. And that, that that that's Marquette, that's Creighton, that's whoever else you want to throw out there. There's nobody else in that league that's on UConn's level right now. As long as Marquette's a dog, they'll be able to beat Connecticut. I'm here for it. Let's do it. Marquette midweek did win at Villanova. And the reason they won was because they were a one and a half point dog. Guarantee if they were a favorite, they would have lost. <laughs> Although they did win as a favorite, but it was against Georgetown on the weekend. So that doesn't God, count. Kind of doesn't count, no. 
out in the Ivy. You asked last week about the fourth place team. In the Ivy on Saturday, Columbia wins at Dartmouth, 72-56. Mm. That ties Columbia, Harvard, and Brown at 2-4 and four for fourth place in the Ivy. Meanwhile, at the top of the Ivy, Yale beat Princeton, 70-64. So Yale and Cornell are both unbeaten, and they play next Saturday at Yale in a battle of unbeatens. So with that, there's only five teams left in Division One, who are unbeaten in conference. I've named two. We've talked about a third. Can you name the others? Wait, you've named two. Which two? Yale and Cornell. Oh, Yale and Cornell. Okay. The others, uh, St. Mary's is unbeaten in conference. Correct. Now it gets tough. One you were high on in the preseason. They slipped a little bit, but have really come back in conference play. Eastern team. Vermont. You got it. All right. The other is going down the Atlantic coast into the southern half of the United States. Was it? it well, I'm, I'm, I know this one's not right. McNeese State lost over the weekend. Had they been unbeaten until? It's, it's obviously not McNeese State because they lost over the weekend. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who the other team is. Yeah, you're correct. The other one is High Point in the Big South. Oh, yeah. We would have been here all night. (laughs) High Point. Wow. Yeah, High Point continues to be unbeaten. They've got a two-game lead over both Gardner-Webb and Asheville. And Gardner-Webb just beat Asheville in midweek to get there. Big one for Um, G-Dub. Watch out for High Point. They're going to be sneaky. And then Vermont also holds a two-game lead over Massachusetts Lowell and Bryant with half the season done, and they have beaten both of those teams on the road already. Ooh, that would, that would be the clamps that the Catamounts have broken out. And since you mentioned them, McNeese State did lose to southeastern Louisiana 77-74 uh, on Saturday. Tough to win on the road. Absolutely. Southeastern Louisiana or bottom ten. Southeastern Louisiana just put up one of those nights. They were twelve of twenty-five from three-point land, and fifteen for sixteen from the free throw line. One of those games. One of those games, absolutely. Let's head over to the American. There was a very entertaining game on. Uh, It was actually a rematch of the NIT final, and it forced Santa Clara St. Mary's to start on ESPN News. And St. Mary's had just dropped Santa Clara by the time they got back on to ESPNU. UAB wins at North Texas 82-79 in overtime. There was a couple good teams down there in the American. I know the American didn't have the star power uh, that it did just a few years ago, but that's a, that's a good that's a good game for a couple of teams trying to hang on and keep pace with, with FAU. And the surprising USF Bulls, I'm shocked by that. And Charlotte's still hanging around there, too. Sort of felt like that that might have been, it's probably too late to be tournament on a pole uh, for those guys. But that's a a big-time win. And a rematch of that NIT game last year. That's good stuff. Yeah, not often you see a rematch of the NIT final in the middle of the conference conference play. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Memphis loses in midweek to Rice. I, I thought about—I instantly thought about you when I saw that, and they tried losing again on the weekend too, and managed to somehow not mess that up. 
Uh, so that the rice loss was their fourth in a row since Ken Palm posted a blog pointing out the polls had Memphis rated much higher than his rankings. Mm. I, it's like, my God, at least I'm not the only one who puts the jinx on Memphis. Exactly. There you go. Don't feel so bad, Alan. Akron beats Toledo 77-70 in the Mid-American. Ali Ali, 26 points, and Akron breaks the tie atop the MAC. They meet again February 20th at Toledo. Prince Ali going off for the zips. Prince Ali. That was a pro wrestler, wasn't it? No, Prince Iakea. That's who I'm Prince thinking. Prince Iakea. Come on. God, Prince Iakea. <laughs> WCW TV champ. Come you, on. Yeah, you, you know my Prince Iakea story, right? I'm not sure. Oh, <laughs> So me and my brother already running long. Go ahead. Tell why not? It's, it's, it's a quick one. Me and my brother went to a Saturday night taping in 1996. Prince IAK is still doing this is before his te- television title run. He's still doing job duty, job to the stars. And he, I can't remember if he lost or won. It didn't matter. All I know is that an hour after we see him wrestle, uh, he's over in the crowd across. So we're like sitting second row on the aisle. I mean, we got good seats. An hour after he wrestles, we see him across the aisle, about 10 rows deep, with a couple of good-looking women, and they're all sharing this big-ass uh, bag of popcorn. It was hilarious. He's, he's wearing this nice red, this, this nice uh, maroon turtleneck. He's all decked out. It was hilarious. I was like, yeah, all right, Prince. You go get you some, kid. Absolutely. Yeah, going to buy him dinner. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Now, Prince, Prince Ali was uh, was was the uh, was uh, Aladdin there in the movie. Ah, okay. With the magic carpet and all that. Yeah. Dear God, yeah. Virginia just beat Miami sixty to thirty-eight. I was gonna say they scored sixty points and won by twenty-two. Yeah, just do the math on that. Good God, horrible. By the way, I, I think the I think the total on the game was one thirty-two. They needed triple overtime to get to that. Doing the math in my head real fast. Da, 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 da. I don't know if triple would have been enough for that. Might, <laughs> might have taken my might have been taking Miami till next week to, to bust that total. Out in the Mountain West, Colorado State finally wins on the road uh, at Fresno State. But before that, they got a big win at home, beating San Diego State 79-71. Yep, yeah. Colorado State needed needed to get right and they got it. San Diego State rebounded off of that to beat Utah State 81-67. And Boise wins at the pit 86-78. Just more Mountain West violence going on. That Boise game Wednesday night was super fun. Max Rice went off. Took a lot of wrath from the uh, from the pit crowd and uh, had taken some had taken some heat from his own his own fans too. And shut everybody up. Big time win for Boise. They came back on the weekend and kicked the crap out of Air Force. Broncos tending, uh, trending back up. Mountain West wide open. Well, the crowd was so hot on Rice because he scored 30 against them at Boise last year. Yeah. Which was his career high until that night. The one sort of, not really double clutch, but he, he kind of pumped, got the defender leaning one way, and then came... He came over his right – it was an awkward-looking shot. He kind of just heaved it over his right shoulder, and it went in, and that was sort of the dagger. That It was like, oh, it's, it's Boise's night. Y- y'all ain't got nothing, Lobos. It was a wild game. We talked about teams that are still unbeaten in conference play. 
these two teams are no longer unbeaten in conference play. In the Big Sky, Montana State knocks off Eastern Washington, and in the Atlantic Sun, Queens beats Eastern Kentucky 94-76. We talked about this before. That's not Queens, New York. That's like Queens North Carolina. Else. Okay, that's right, yeah. I'm from North Carolina. I don't know what a Queens don't know Street where fight Queens is. is. <laughs> Queen Street fight. Uh, that'd be Charlotte. Oh, Queen City. We talked about that. Queen City, duh. I'm a moron. Never mind me. Well, that's okay. I didn't know where Commerce, Texas was. I thought it was a teaching school. <laughs> well, it kind of is a teaching school, but it's also but it's also a town. Well, no, in I Texas. thought it was a business school. That's right. It <laughs> that's is a teaching school. <laughs> yeah, all the teachers, all the teachers around here, including the one I'm married to, graduated from Texas A&M Commerce. In the Missouri Valley, Indiana State beats Drake 75-67, avenging an earlier win by Drake. Indiana State now leads the conference by two games and looks to be moving pretty easily to a conference title there. Sycamores continued, continuing to chug along, and they are definitely on the watch list for teams you do not want to play in the first round of the NCAA tournament. In the Coastal, Monmouth beats Drexel 67-62 on Thursday. Drexel's two losses have both been away from home, but now they face two more huge road games against Wilmington Thursday and Charleston Saturday. Let me tell you something. That Wilmington-Charleston swing in, in the CAA is not one to mess with. That's probably the toughest uh, the toughest one there is. Drexel, if they can split that, they got to feel pretty good. Shout out to Xander Rice for Monmouth, 22 for the coach's kid. They say, yeah, that's your boy, Xander Rice. That's my boy, yeah. In the Metro Atlantic, St. Pete, Loses a pair of games at home. Ouch. Oof. Quinnipiac now a three-game lead in the MAC. Hmm. Getting, get, getting late early. Q might be locking it down. And finally, Chicago State tries its best but can't beat Duquesne. They lose 65-60. They will not finish with a 500 record. Damn it. We tried. They were tied 57 with three minutes to go. They couldn't pull off the upset. I think they were a 16-point dog in that game. So, I mean, they, they, they tried their damnedest. That was a big ask, yeah. So, they finished the season at South Carolina State and Eastern Kentucky. Then they've got a home game against Indiana Northwest. Now, tell me, who's the president of Indiana Northwest? Oh, no. Well, on. You, you, you know who East West is? The, who's the president of East West, right? That's Adrian Adonis and Jesse Ventura. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. North South Connection. That's, uh, oh, shit. That's, damn it. I know this. That's, uh, Dick, Mur- Dick Murdoch and Adrian Adonis? Exactly. So, who oh. would the Northwest Connection be? And in that case, it would be, well, wait a minute. What the? Oh, no, wait a, wait a minute. minute. That, would be, that, too, would be Jesse and Adrian. It'd be, a, it'd be Adrian and Jesse, yeah. I, 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 the, the whole, all week I've been looking at this going, that makes it Dick, Dick Murdoch and Jesse Ventura. No, that'd be, be Indiana a, Southwest. Yeah, that makes no sense at all. Okay, scratch that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Who you got? And is the Super Bowl rigged to give Joe Biden the presidency? The Super Bowl is not rigged to give Joe Biden the presidency. Um, the Super Bowl is probably rigged to ensure a close game late. Beyond that, I don't freaking know. And 
if there is really a NFL Taylor Swift conspiracy, the Chiefs will absolutely win this game. But I don't know. I don't know if they've got her under contract for next year. That's kind of that's kind of the thing. <laughs> they've got to have. If if she's under contract for next year, they can uh, they can book some heat here and have her lose, and then and then do all this again next year. But if it's only a one year gig, uh, they they probably need to pay it off here with a with a Chiefs win. Um, well, obviously it's going to be a one year gig because. He has to break up with her so she can write her next hit song. But what? But 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 you you, you got to think fourth dimensionally here. What if what if he breaks up with her and she starts dating Jalen Hurts or somebody <laughs> or another NFL player? The NFL has figured out that Taylor Swift equals rating, so they need her in the circle here. They got to figure this out. So so again, we we got to work some contract details out here. I'm pulling for San Francisco. I will not have money on this game because there will be shenanigans. Um, I I really don't care. I, I I am under I am as underwhelmed for this Super Bowl as I have, and, and it's not like I'm big into the NFL like I used to be. This is an underwhelming matchup for me. I just want to go to some far right sports bar to watch the nut jobs twist themselves into a pretzel, because they have figured out that Taylor Swift, the NFL, has rigged the Super Bowl so that Kansas City will win, so Taylor Swift will get even more publicity so that she can promote Joe Biden to beat Donald Trump. But that means that they have to root for Sanctuary City, leftist commie San Francisco. And I just want to watch some far-right nut job twist himself into a pretzel doing that. Hang on one second. There was a there was a tweet earlier today that I couldn't stop laughing at that I have to read you. Hang, hang, hang on. Okay. I have a pop quiz, okay? Okay. Who hates Taylor Swift more? NFL fans, black people, or Republicans? Oh. Well, considering that most NFL fans are also Republicans, uh, I, I'd go right now with Republicans. I I haven't answered the poll here on Twitter. My man, my man Rodimus Prime dumped it out here. I'm going to vote Republicans. Let's see. yeah, it's 56 oh, oh. Republicans, 26 NFL fans, 18 percent black people. I, I I've heard though that what will really stir the pot is if Taylor Swift kneels for the national anthem. <laughs> Oh, man. It's One more topic before we get to this week's schedule. The foil to Rocky Balboa, Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, passed away this past week. Your boy. This is a tough one for me. Anybody that knows me knows that Apollo Creed is my single favorite movie character of all time. It was, I mean, just everything I thought Apollo Creed was the coolest guy ever. And just the entire, his entire persona, the, the, the showmanship, the bravado, the ego, the, just the, the need to be the best and make sure that everybody knew he was the best in the world at what he did and and to entertain the way he did and all the insecurities that came along with that it was just the a brilliant a brilliant character uh put together by Sylvester Stallone and it doesn't it, it nobody else 
makes that character work. It does not work with anybody else except for Carl Weathers. He, you, you believed he was the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world trying to put on a show for everybody because he, he wanted to pop a buy rate, basically. You believed that he was the champion out for vengeance, not because he lost, but because this upstart showed him up. At his big, you know, at, at, at his big fight last time, so he wanted to prove that he was indeed the best. He and this guy was a fluke. You believe that he was, you know, taking his rival under his wing to make him better, so they could together win back the heavyweight championship. And you believed he was, you know, a fading athlete looking for one more, one more payday, one more great fight, one more time in the sun. Uh, against Ivan Drago. You believed all of it because Carl Weathers just oozed that off the screen. The charisma was just dripping. It was incredible. And there is no better ever athlete turned actor than Carl Weathers, ever. and And there will never be another one. It just the badassery just oozed off the screen. He was awesome in Predator Action Jackson. Uh, he did the comedy bit with uh, with In Happy Gilmore. Uh, he he could he could do comedy. He could do drama. He was a badass action star and, and leaned into it in his older years. Cameos all over the place was great in The Mandalorian. One of a kind and just will be greatly greatly missed. That dude was awesome. Do you know why Carl Weathers was such a great actor? That's an interesting question. Um, do, do you know what Carl Weathers and I have in common? Oh, no. I don't know. I, I, I don't know this. We both own Bachelor of Arts from San Francisco State. Oh, really? He got his degree in drama from SF State. Carl Weathers is a Golden Gator. Holy shit, I had no idea about that. Hey, we're only known for one thing at San Francisco. Well, we're known for two things at San Francisco State. Uh, a lot of left-wing protests <laughs> and our arts and media program. No, I mean, the, 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 best, the best story was when he auditioned for Rocky. And he comes up and Stallone's in the ring. He's going through, you know, because you know, he's doing this. And, and and Weathers finally he he's working it and he's not feeling it and he, he works and he finally says yeah it might look better if I get to jump in here and can actually do something and he's he's talking to the movie star right he has no idea that that's the guy he's fussing about is the guy and and Stallone says that was the moment I knew he was the guy <laughs> and so Weathers apparently goes home he's like well I blew that audition he gets a call the next day why don't you come back and let's, let's work on this some more and he he knew that he just that was the, you know again the the, the bravado the, the ego the you know just the i know i'm the best that just it was it came natural and and it was a it was a perfect fit and there's no rocky two three four five creed any of that stuff without carl weathers as the as the catalyst because it was really the apollo creed care for me it was really the apollo creed character that that made that movie that took it to the next level it's just an all-time iconic character and uh, rest in peace to one of the real ones, man. That dude was great. All right. Let's get to the basketball schedule and wrap up this show. Looking at Tuesday, and if there is a day that we ever look back on that says the networks have screwed up everything, it'll be Tuesday. Because the best games are all on stupid-ass streaming networks. 
BYU is at Oklahoma on ESPN Plus. Iowa State's at Texas on the Longhorn Network. And oh, Michigan God. State, Minnesota is on the Peacock. Longhorn Network's still a thing? I have no idea about that. Good grief. Which is going to die first, the Longhorn Network or the Pac-12 Network? Oh, that's a good question because I do think the Longhorn Network gets gets like absol- you know dissolved into the SEC Network. But then the and, pa- we, oh, and we know the Pac-12 has a death date. Yeah, it's, pro- it's probably the Pac-12 probably dies first. The best game on regular TV is 6 p.m. Vegas time, ESPN, Texas Tech at Baylor. Two of the 14 teams tied for the Big 12 lead. <laughs> you said that's on ESPN before. Hey, before that, you can't you can't skip my Tar Heels. They're uh, hosting Clemson. Uh, they they met in uh, at Little John Coliseum earlier this year, and uh, Carolina shut them out over the last five minutes to pull away and win that game by double digits. Uh, Clemson with some revenge on the mind coming into Carolina. We saw Clemson give Duke a good game last weekend and got shafted by the refs. Uh, maybe they'll get shafted again in Chapel Hill. Well, I can only be so lucky. On Wednesday, much better schedule. 4 p.m. Vegas time on ESPN2. Alabama at Auburn. Mm, the rematch of the Iron Bowl. Bama won at Coleman Coliseum a few weeks back. Feels like it's Auburn's turn, but we shall see. At 5.30, Creighton at Providence. It's relegated to Fox Sports 2. Oh, wonder what? That's That's an odd one. Okay. At 6 p.m., our two favorite Big Ten teams go at it. Nebraska at Northwestern on the Big Ten Network. That's actually a pretty good game. That is. And on the Pac-12 Network, UCLA at Stanford. Which is why UCLA and Stanford could both get snubbed because nobody's going to see this game. Nobody's going to see that game. On Thursday, Sam Ford, not Stanford, Samford at Greensboro. Huge game on ESPNU. Samford also on the list, on the radar, teams you don't want to play in March. By the way, it was 4 p.m. Vegas, so I didn't say that. It was like 6 p.m. Vegas on the Deuce, Florida Atlantic, that UAB. That's a great uh, AAC game. That's going to be fantastic. Uh, as good as Florida Atlantic is, they still are going to have trouble winning on the road against teams like UAB. Yeah, UAB is a tough draw. On Friday, there's only three Division One basketball games. They're all on TV. Dayton VCU, San Diego State, Nevada, and San Jose State, Colorado State. That's it. Wait, That's wait, it for wait, Friday. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. We just we just started up this new partnership with our friends at Meyer last week for the Friday night Big Ten spectacular presented by Meyer. And there's no Friday night game in the Big Ten. Way to go, guys. Way to, way way to blow this right out of the gate. You'd think they hired the marketing people for the Pac twelve network. It sounds like they did. What a load of crap. On Saturday, starting out 9 a.m., kind of weak start. Uh, if you want to go to the Big Ten Network, you got Wisconsin at Rutgers. Sleeper game on ESPNU, Tennessee Martin at Western Illinois. And that's way down the what, – what, what time is this? Hang on, 9 that, o'clock? That's your 9 a.m. Vegas. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, this is a, a weird, weird slate this weekend. At 9.30 on Fox, Creighton at Xavier. There's your wake-up time. That could that could be a good brawl in the uh, Big East. CBS puts on Illinois at Michigan State at 11 a.m. At the same time on ESPN2, TCU at Iowa State. That should be fun. Uh, see if the Horned Frogs got anything for uh, Hilton Magic up there in uh, names. 
You talked about the middle of the SEC and whether they're any good. Here's a game, if the middle of the SEC is any good, they should be able to win at home. Auburn traveling to Florida, 1230 SEC Network. Auburn might be coming off an emotional win against Alabama. It's a good spot for the Gators. In a bizarre non-conference matchup at 1 p.m. on CBS, Gonzaga travels to Kentucky. This is that home-and-home series where Calipari refuses to play at the kennel, and they're going to play at Seattle instead, at the big arena. It's so stupid. I hope the Zags beat them just for that. At 1 p.m., your Carolina Tar Heels travel to Miami of Florida on ESPN. Miami just scored 38 points against Virginia. (laughs) And Carolina Carolina allegedly has the best uh, defense in the conference, so it might be a long night for Miami. That's a tough place to go. Uh, We've seen the Heels go on the road and and win in places that have have traditionally given them problems. Atlanta notwithstanding. I'm talking about Little John Coliseum at Florida State, other places. We'll see if they can go on the road and and win at Miami. Miami, the season's running out for the Hurricanes. They need this one bad. Talking about tough places to go on the road and play, Houston has to travel to Cincinnati. That's on ESPN2, also at 1 p.m. So you need picture and picture and picture. Good stuff. At 3 on ESPN, Baylor at Kansas. I'm telling you, Baylor's going to win. All right. We'll see. (laughs) Good luck with that. Good luck with that at Allen Fieldhouse, but we'll see what the Bears got for him. On the deuce, another. Yeah, let me ask you. Let me ask you. Yeah. Can Bay, Can it seems like every game Baylor plays is bonkers. It just it, 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 there's guaranteed entertainment every single time. Why not one more crazy game at Kansas where, where they get screwed on a foul call with two seconds left? I, I could see that most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Another interesting non-conference game in the middle of conference season. Akron travels to James Madison on ESPN two. Yeah, that's a strange one. Hmm. 5 p.m. slate, ESPN has Tennessee at Texas A&M. The Deuce has Arizona State at Utah. The U might have the most entertaining game, Louisiana Tech at Liberty. I guess maybe we're winding it down so you can get ready for the game the next day. I don't know. but Yeah, it's not a great Saturday slate. No. Uh, and then the late, set, the late games on ESPN, 7 p.m., Arizona at Colorado. Yeah. Boise at Utah State, that could be a game. That's Fox. Yeah, that's a big game there. And then Sunday, everything stops afternoon. Something going on, I don't know. Uh, 9 a.m. Seton Hall at Villanova on CBS Sports. At 11, North Texas at SMU, either on the Deuce or the U. Not sure which yet. And then some football game that night. That's that's good. Taylor Swift gets married at halftime. <laughs> We'll see. Maybe it'll be the, maybe it'll be the, they're not going to remember who's doing the, doesn't matter who's doing the is Usher doing the halftime show. I, I think know. so. But I mean, it's, it's a, maybe the weddings, the post, the, the, the post gets the lead out, pop the, pop the monster rating. Oh, you know, I, I've heard some interest because, you know, everybody's talking about will Taylor Swift make the Super Bowl because she's got like a concert in Japan the day before. Yeah. Uh, and everybody's figuring out that she can fly there. That's not the problem. But apparently, there's no place to park her plane. <laughs> I was going to make a jet lag joke. but <laughs> Finally, on Monday, when we come back again, 4 p.m., Wake Forest at Duke on ESPN. Then 6, Kansas at Texas Tech on ESPN. Wake's going to give Duke a game there. Wake, Wake's pretty good. 
and Kansas on the road in Lubbock will be a will be an asylum. That's going to be a great game. That's all we got. We haven't given you. We give you fifteen rounds. Of you know what? Basketball. You know what? Hang on. Hang, hang on a second. Hang on a second. That's not all. We have breaking news. We have breaking news oh, no. here. We have breaking news. Did Miami on six-year get, get points deducted? No, they did not. We have a commitment. We have a, a football commitment to the University of North Carolina. The kid's name is Kenyon J. McMahon. No. Well, okay. Yes. Wait. Yes. Shane's kid? Shane's second son has committed to oh, play football. Oh, no. His oldest is in Indiana right now playing football. His second oldest just committed to North Carolina. God help me. Here comes okay, the money. Now, now I really feel old. Yeah, we're all old. I don't know if this was the baby he was holding at the beginning of WrestleMania 20 or not. It don't matter. God, well, thanks for that. Now I'm depressed. Yeah, well, you're welcome. So, but, so what, what, what you got? You well, got see, that, that, at least, that at least gives me, I, I can name off all well, the McMahon's. Wait, 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 no, no, I, I got this. I got this one this week. Oh, shit. I was going to say, I was going to name the McMahon's not going to jail, but maybe you got something else. <laughs> For Carl Weathers, Ben Fong Torres, Annette Benning, Dana Carvey, Danny Glover, Kurt Hammett, and, uh, and <laughs> some guy named August Coppola, whose kid happens to be Nick Cage, and everybody else whoever went to the arts and media department of San Francisco state. That's I'm fantastic. Alan Caps, and that's the best co-host in the business, Mikey Watson. We'll see you next week. Get all, get, get all sorts of shenanigans and acting and, and, and degrees and all sorts of crap right here on six year senior. <laughs>